Before the bloodbath begins, slither your way over to the host's socials. For the podcast, slash over to Twitter at the BHO underscore podcast. Instagram, the Baron's Hideout Podcast. Then stab over to Dean's Instagram at Dean of the Dead Hot Sauce. Listen to the show on your favorite apps and Patreon. Enjoy the sleigh and try to stay alive. For the next period of time, strap in as the hosts rip and tear at the unsuspecting guests, and which to learn their dark secrets and methods of the genre. In this bloodbath, no one gets out alive. This is within the barrens. Joining us today is the amazing Gia Elliott, writer, director, and producer of Take Back the Night. You have also acted, produced, and directed other films, but today we're going to be diving into the way of indie filmmaking and talking about Take Back the Night. Uh, Gia, how have you been? Thanks for having me. I've been great. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's been a while. Um, we did meet very briefly in person at Salem Horror Fest. Last year, right? It was last year, right? I think it was last year. It had to have been, right? Oh, well, now it would be the year before last because it's been 20, and now it's 2023. So, oh yeah, my God. Were- I swear, like, time has just been so, like, warped in my mind. But yeah, we did, uh, we did meet very, very briefly um, when this was shown. Um, and it was a great film. I loved seeing it on the big screen. So, it's awesome to have you here and, and, and talking about it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, there's always one thing that I like to do before we start diving into um, the main bit is kind of just going over with our guests of you know how everything started with you. Um, was was you know filmmaking and acting something that you were into when you were young, or is there something that um, kind of sparked your interest? a good question (laughs) i will say i am not an actor like i have in the past acted but it was mainly from the lens of becoming a director i wanted to know what it meant to be an actor so i got myself into an acting class in los angeles went through the whole thing but i never you know like auditioned or appeared in a couple friends like short films but it was more like oh you're around and down to do this but I was never trying to actually master the craft of acting it's very difficult and I think actually going through that experience gave me a real appreciation for what I like to think of as you know, the jump out of the plane moment, which I could never get to that point. You know, an actor will memorize their lines, metabolize the scene, come up with, you know, depending on how an actor works, an actor might set intentions or have strategies that they want to go into the scene with. And then the second that this scene starts, they jump out of the plane. They just forget everything and they exist in the same space as their scene partner. I can never do that. I can never get to that point. I can never let go of the homework. Um, and so I think that that kind of transcendence is magic and I have a lot of respect for it. Um, but how did I get into filmmaking? I don't know. I think I always had something to say. I thought I would be a poet. And so, you know, all throughout my childhood, I was always writing, putting up little productions. I put up a production of Beauty and the Beast in my elementary school. I petitioned, awesome. petitioned the, um, the principal to let me do this. We didn't have a theater. I wanted to put it up in the library. And he said, if you can find a chaperone to supervise, then yes. And that's how my mom became a drama teacher. And she, to this day, is a drama teacher. So that's she awesome. was like, 
good run for her. Um, and then I just always was making things all throughout college. I was always making short films and actually like my good friend, Alana Masterson from, she's on like the walking dead and stuff. We buddied up and we went to the same boarding high school. And so we like buddied up in high school and would make like tons of these like, weird short films, like, <laughs> like an oversaturated color, like purple, they'd all be these like dark purple colors with, you know, like so dramatic the placebo soundtrack in the background, like all nice. these dramas <laughs> and then similar in college and just like writing a lot of poetry in college too. And I just always sort of thought that I would, do something real with my life like I went to law school after that and then I dropped out because I just couldn't I think if I think of actually if I think if I would have found a type of law that was really interesting during law school I think I would have been a lawyer now but instead I was sitting on the bench with a judge in the Supreme Court of New York which is actually the bottom most court of New York on calendar days so I was watching you know sentencing hearings and motions and so kind of depressing to watch a lot of like young black boys hug their moms and go away to Rikers because they're being sentenced to a mandatory minimum and being tried as adults because couldn't tell you why Um, they're 17 shouldn't be there and so we can only take so much of that before you're like I'm gonna move to Los Angeles and just start over get some sunshine (laughs) (laughs) Um, and that's what I did and so I found my way to LA quickly got a job at one of the big agencies, worked at WME, did the agency trainee program. And then I was just always busy. I wanted to make things. I was constantly writing or finding people to help me shoot something or create a web series, convince a couple friends to like finance a web series that we then sold to Gunpowder and Sky and was on Vessel when Vessel was a thing before that tanked. It's basically like a Quibi kind of before Quibi, but minus the a stars in it yeah um yeah but I was always busy I was never at bars I was always out shooting I was always tinkering with cameras and trying to say something and um I had met Emma through friends of friends and she at the time was just like looking to increase the amount of female friends that she had in her life and you know was sort of a little bit burnt out on LA and like the auditioning scene and just wanting to like create something. And so we had bonded and then unrelated to the wanting to make something we had bonded over. Um, she was really into, she was studying brain trauma at the time and was really interested in sexual violence and what happens, how your brain metabolizes that. And I had just come from, as I mentioned, the sitting with the judge and working in criminal law in New York city. And I had seen a lot of sexual violence cases and actually like in my law class, my law professor was like, his specialty was the difference in nuance of language from state to state in sexual oh, okay. violence. Yeah. So I was like fascinated with how a comma could just totally fuck your, your case up, you know, like the way language is presented can really impact um, how things play out in a court of law and then you know drilling down one notch further into that even how language in intake you know when a survivor or victim is going through the intake procedure with the police department how the wording of the questions or even the order of the questions can really impact the way that the case then unfolds i was fascinated with this sort of nuance and emma was fascinated with the sort of trauma and those two things kind of are meat and potatoes they go together um and we were obsessed and we were just comparing notes constantly and reading books and came swapping you know nonfiction reads and diving in and the swapping of books turned into a little book club and then our book club just became a nights and weekends 24 7 rolling conversation and then that kind of turned into a like hey i think we should turn this into a movie oh yeah and then from there it was okay well we don't want to make a movie that is a documentary and we don't want to make a drama because i have like a personal aversion to consuming any media that feels like homework and so it just didn't feel natural for me to express myself in that way and emma had been previously in horror movies and i was really kind of hellbent on being in an environment where there were life or death stakes and so horror just felt like a very natural fit 
And then extrapolating from there to the metaphor was, I think, a very easy jump. Like, it was like, okay, well, we don't want to show actual sexual violence on screen. So how do we do this? Well, the main thing that we're interested in exploring isn't the actual violence itself. It's the interpersonal violence of everything that happens after. And so how do we really take people on that journey? And in cinema, when you see something, it's done. It's fact of the world. And I think that's why people hate exposition. I think it's why people feel so like, ah, oh, it feels like such a cheap shot because <laughs> it always works. You know, <laughs> you're like, oh, I can't unknow that now. And you could have earned it. Yeah. It feels annoying. Um, so we couldn't you know, show any sex, you don't want to show sexual violence. And even if you did, then like the whole plot is kind of blown, right? Like yeah, you're like, well, exactly. I, know she was, I know she was assaulted. I saw it with my eyeballs. No coming back from that. So we wanted it to be grounded in the here and now. And so I thought, well, let's, let's put her through something otherworldly where people would react in a way that people react to sexual violence and just kind of play that out so you know it's not a marvel universe there are no monsters in this world and so like if your friend were to tell you that god was attacked by a monster your first question would be like oh are you talking to someone about that we should get you a therapist you know you'd kind of play it out as a mental health crisis and not as a physical trauma um and so that's sort of how we wound up there. All and right. we were just shooting it like nights and weekends, just with nothing like that camera, like a, you know, Canon 1DC from 2017 and just cool. running and gunning and kind of exploring and finding scenes and unlocking, unlocking the story we wanted to tell through like a more exploratory method. Yeah, shot really well. Yeah, it really, really is. <laughs> um, for how dark of a of a film it is, and like you know the themes and everything you're talking about, it is a very beautiful film. It's very beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. I think a lot of that comes from. So I shot the whole thing myself. Like I DP'd the film. That is that's awesome. <laughs> I think a lot of that comes from the fact that you know it was Emma and I telling the story together, and we were doing it in this exploratory but very intentional way it was going to feel like it was a piece of media that felt authentic to Jane and her story and I I love like a very wide lens if I had a 12 I would shoot on that you know I, I just shot like most of it on a 24 like a 50s even like too close for me I, I really like to have like big wide sweeping motions and so what that means is like I as you know you've seen the film I just can't get away from it I am just for better or for worse, I'm married to the ECU. It's my favorite shot. I just like want to be in your up in your face the whole film. And so when you're on a 24 and you're shooting an ECU, like you're this far away from your subject. And so, and again, like we were unlocking the stuff together. So a lot of that early footage that is the kind of cornerstones of what turned out to be the film, like it was a very intimate process, I would say, between me and Emma. I, I would constantly like in my notes you know from like my diaries from when we were shooting I would always like describe it as a dance like we were like dancing we were like partners in this medium together oh, did yeah. you edit did you edit the film yourself as well so I was just watching like some of the where the scene where she's kind of getting swabbed um you know by the doctors and you see like all the cuts and I like where it, where it keeps kind of cutting there I love that I thought it was really cool like all the edits where she's kind of lying down, she's getting swabbed in the mouth, and you know that kind of thing. I was like, "Oh wow!" It's just, as we say, it's shot really well. Did you edit it, edit the whole thing together as well? I did not. I helped in the edit, like on the yeah. first string out and things like that. I, I helped a lot in the first string out. Our other producer Kwanzaa Gooden, she helped a lot in the first string yeah. out together. We had a little bit of help from Andrew Westman, who's edited a bunch of horror movies before, kind of helping us string out some of the horror sequences but then mm. my husband david elliott he edited the film he spent like months and months and months and months oh. being like 
Yeah, it's really well paced. Yeah, it's very cool. Thanks. Yeah, he um, you know, when it's your own footage, I'm like, cut it all down. Cut. Just make it fast. <laughs> like, get me out of this scene. So when it's kind of embarrassing to like watch this this thing that I thought was good. So just cut it all. He's like, no, it actually is good. Like, let's add more of what you shot back in. Angela and Emma's chemistry is amazing. Like, just let it oh, yeah. be. Put on the screen mm. what you guys did and. I think he was the only one who was really hellbent and convinced throughout post that what we did on set did have some sort of glimmer of magic to it that he wanted to make sure was intact after it was chopped up. Yeah. They, the chemistry between the sisters on this film, it is, it's they're like some of my favorite scenes. There's a lot of things that happen in this film. There really is. But every time they're together, whether they're fighting or whether they're, you know, now, being escapees and whatnot it's it's awesome to see them you know kind of be grounded instead of like all over the place as they kind of are throughout the whole film you know you're dealing with this trauma and whatnot trying to convince people and they finally you know are just like you know what we're gonna do this together whatever you want to do we're gonna do it and i i love that so much <laughs> um and also dean i don't know if you have any questions too i'm gonna throw in yeah so you said like you were you was shooting it over weekends and like whenever you could how long did it actually take you to kind of complete all just the, all the shooting of the movie and and how did you kind of fund it was it just kind of on your you just had your own budget and you just kind of was working with friends and you know rallied around or what was the kind of process you know time frame for getting yeah. all shot i shot it so we wrote shot edited it together everything like sold it put it out in the world start to finish in five and a half years right okay so but like the camera's mine you know like the shot list is mine there's kind of nothing stopping me from being like oh really need a good hard throw to pov down the train tunnel i'm gonna go down (laughs) to the subway and shoot a train tunnel insert you know like yeah i mean i spent years like three years probably shooting this um, we started with no money, just shooting it ourselves. Angela convinced her to jump on board. Had that, we were sort of exploring scenes and re- cobbling together a script and then like fleshing out the script. And then that all got us to like probably 60% of the way there. And then um, Marcus Dunstan, who has written a lot of the Saw films, he also did like The Collector and The Collection, which Emma's oh, yeah. star of. Great he was movie. like, Can I see, because my mom was in the Take Back the Night Marches in the 70s on our college campus. It'd mean a lot to me if I could help out. So he looked at it and he's like, you should get money to finish. And I was like, what does that mean? Would have never in a million years had that thought. And he was <laughs> like, I know a guy. And so we talked to a film financer and he does a lot of really interesting uh, he's a lawyer and he does a lot of really interesting work in Las Vegas. It's one of a lot of like really big cases that are definitely like, like high profile torts cases. Like people have been really screwed over by somebody and like gotten like physically like mauled in some way and like really made it right for the families. And so I think, yeah, I think he's just sort of wired a certain way and the subject matter meant a lot to him. He's got a lot of daughters and he felt like he really understood what we were doing and he was sort of like a gift of a financier. Like he just wanted to make the movie. He, there was no like time pressure. There was no like, get it done. I need, you know, make my mm, money back cool. or anything. He was kind of just like, okay, go off and do your thing. And That's very cool. Yes. I, love, I love the whole sort of punk DIY spirit that you had as well when you first started out making it. I love that. I think that's really cool. As a musician, I've always had that sort of, you know, with making yeah. music and stuff. Oh just, my just God. Do it yourself, you know, I love it. It's a real punk spirit. It's very cool. My parents are punks. They met in New York City in the late 70s on the punk scene. My dad was in a band. He had like Liberty Spikes and was a drummer. And he would play like CBGB and Dirt Club. And, you know, my mom was like, I'll date you if I can manage your band. So they like were really (laughs) in the scene. And so I grew up on punk music when I was like 13 and my sister was 10. My dad's like, perfect. You're old enough to be in a band. So I was in like (laughs) Ramon's cover band from ages 13 to 17 we were in that's, awesome. <laughs> that's very cool yeah. i've got yeah. my punk oh sorry go on sorry oh, go for it say what were you gonna say you got your punk what i was gonna say i got my my punk credentials along the way i i've actually i've played a gig with mick jones from the clash before and 
and did a, recorded a record with youth from the, the band Killing Joke. I don't know if you remember Killing Joke. Amazing. Which That's... is pretty cool. So yeah, yeah my punk. I do. I really punk. relate to the punk um, theology of a way to, to go about creation. You know, I was definitely like the ethos of my family was like, you've got to roll a duct tape and something to say. <laughs> yep. Have any excuse yeah. not to say it. So, you know, the, the the way that we made this movie is not fancy. And the movie is not fancy. Like, it's very gritty and definitely, yeah, kind of my roll of duct tape. Yeah, but for, that's really, yeah, very well shot, though. It, that is definitely, the, it looks like it's got some real awesome production values, you know. It's really cool. Yeah, the lighting in it, too. Like, all the scenes, like, just doing it on the streets. Like, you knew how to capture these, the lighting. Just storm right. man. <laughs> Thanks. Um, yeah, you know, the, the lighting is interesting. I really did not want to light the film. I really wanted to do like all grounded light, all available light. Um, and I think that, that, you know, eventually I used some lights, but it does add such, such like a texture of Los Angeles. LA is currently replacing all the sodium vapor lights. And it's really bumming me out because, like, nighttime used to be orange in Los Angeles, and now it's turning like white. Oh, really? Good. I didn't know that. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The more you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um. So I wanted to ask. Um. Since you know this this movie it deals with a lot of heavy topics. Um. And you're basing everything off of a monster as a metaphor, and you know, everything else is going on, but. Were there any other challenges um, for having to turn a script like into the into what it was, but also having like this, you know, public service announcement too? Because you tied into the end, which I really loved how you put like the numbers on the very the end of being you know here's the hotlines if anybody's struggling with everything, make sure you're reaching out. So was this always a plan to kind of turn it into a public service announcement type film, while also making it like a a creature feature essentially i think that it's kind of irresponsible to make any sort of art that might unearth something in someone and then leave them without resources when it's so easy to do yeah. and that title card that is in there is and that was like something that's in my distribution contract like i was like you cannot take that out in any edit oh, wow. <laughs> um because I, I don't, I feel so icky when I see things that I'm like, you just took us for a real ride. And then it, it has a feeling of like callousness sometimes to me yeah. when I think of, you just don't care. Like what, what, what business do you have um, saying anything here? So yeah, that, that was pretty important to me. I, I did a lot of hand wringing about whether or not to put like a trigger warning up front of any kind mm. um and then when i saw the marketing it was so like they really like leaned in pretty really hard you know to the like <laughs> underlying topic of it all like in my mind's eye i was just gonna like make a monster movie and people were gonna watch it all and then be like whoa at the end like surprised like <laughs> shocked just be like oh you know that is 2020 hindsight like that is what i was watching the whole time which is funny because in test screenings, like that was the reaction. You know, like when I would just show like family or friends or people that I know whose opinion I trust, they would get all the way to the end and be like, Mike, like I, you had me, like you got me. And so I don't know, like, you know, I, I like when the lead's buried a bit, but after I saw the marketing, I was kind of like, well, people will know to like, if people have triggers and know to look for things like that they'll figure that out before they go to watch the film so i felt pretty confident in doing that but i think if the marketing had been different than i think i probably would have um you know done done a title card up front marketing so hard like some of the distributors were like oh we're you know it's a creature feature first and foremost and like that's going to be your target audience that's what i'm gonna market it as and in some ways i I don't know that there's a great answer here because like the way of being like female power, like, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm not in love with that. Like as a narrative, it feels 
annoying or something. I, I don't know, but like, I, I don't know how else to have done, done it. I, yeah. I think there's no great answer. Ooh. I think, I think arrow and arrows release got like the closest to doing it, like really thoughtfully and really well done. Like you've got these cool DVDs. Yeah. They're beautiful. They're yeah. Beautiful. That's cool. uh, oh, upside down. Alexandra Nicole Heller. Is that Alexandra Heller? Yeah. She like, created all this amazing like critics round table and like did all this like really thoughtful i like told her how influenced by like the you know riot girls i was so she made like a zine it's just like really thoughtfully done and it's pretty cool but yeah i, I don't know like thing i've been reflecting on the most actually recently is like the timing of when the film came out you know because we started shooting this before me too was a hashtag and so, like, on one side of it, it's, like, it's, like, it's undeniably good that this has become part of our culture now of, like, how we discuss sexual violence and harassment and abuse. Um, but on the other hand, like, I put out this film that I think runs a very high risk of feeling like it's exploiting a movement when in reality it was like this little scrappy thing that I just it was a scab I couldn't keep picking couldn't stop picking at you know so I, I don't know that's the thing that I've been like meditating on the most recently when I look back and reflect on the film is I'm like man it's so wild like if it came out two years sooner and I was right on the me too wave it would have felt like really of its time but you also can't rush it I, I don't know like and what is that like as an artist are you supposed to like time things to be right on the wave like that's oh. gross like, <laughs> I don't know so I think that's the biggest challenge of this film was like the marketing and how long it took to make and when it came out and how drastically you know the social dynamics have changed um yeah, big challenge. I mean, it all came out great. And even you, like, you know, thinking about all this stuff, it, it's still, it's a very powerful film. And I think, you know, everybody should watch it if you can. I mean, obviously, if you have triggers, if it's going to get to you, then maybe, maybe just avoid it. But like this, this movie has so much heart and what the it's trying to tell. And it's a rough subject. It's really rough. You don't see many other films like trying to write about anything like this on the way and level that you and, and Emma did and how you shot it and really, you know, putting it in perspective and having it through this one person's like lens. It's usually about everybody else, but it's this one person who really feels like they're going insane. Nobody wants to help them regardless of what they're saying or regardless of the evidence. Like they're going down this rabbit hole but at the end, they come out on top. Well, as on top as they possibly could be for what happened. So, no, I, I love this film. And I, I've watched it so many times. Um, and when it dropped on Shudder, I watched it. Um, I just watched it again today. Watched it when it dropped again. And I'm probably going to be watching it again. Because this was like one of my favorite um, during the uh, Salem Horror Fest year that this was playing. It was definitely one of my favorite Ah. Uh. That just means the world. Thanks for saying that. You know, like you spent all this time making something and then I don't know. It's sort of like beyond my wildest dream that you've like watched this movie more than once and <laughs> we're like chatting about it substantively. I don't know. Like all I knew is that I was going to make it, you know, but beyond that, like everything else has been like felt really like a dream state. I'm like, whoa, it's crazy. You know, like that Dean can watch this in the UK. Like that's nuts to me. It's like available around the world. That's crazy. Never be afraid to go and make something. That goes for everybody. Pick up a camera. You got a camera everywhere. Do it. Write something, you know, do it. Oh, if you yeah. have that passion, just just do it. Do it. <laughs> Although I've got a really crappy little movie on Amazon and no one wants to see that. We know it's a bit of a joke. We shot something on an iPhone during it was kind of just during, well, it was during a pandemic. We shot it in the middle of the woods and we're like, let's just put this on Amazon for a laugh. And we put it on there and it's actually like loads of people have watched it. It's so bizarre. But we literally only did it for a laugh. But it, again, you know, it's your right. It's, I think, you know, pick up a camera and just do something 
and film and yeah it's i love i love the art of filmmaking it's great we're actually working on uh something right now like a horror anthology featuring a lot of shorts yeah it's pretty cool a lot of different like you know you get a lot of different filmmaking talent on an anthology it's fun yeah oh yeah we've got some really cool ones we've got like drew marvick who did pool party massacre on there and ryan kruger who did fried berry and as if yeah it's pretty cool some cool stuff and we need it we actually need a halloween short so if you've got any cool halloween shorts you want to chuck in there yeah, <laughs> <cool>. <laughs> <laughs> can't say i do have a halloween short but it sounds awesome ah cool well going back to the movie was there a scene that was kind of too difficult to shoot compared to the rest of the film for you guys like emotionally or physically I guess both. Emotionally, maybe, perhaps, I think. The interview scene was really challenging because, you know, Emma's having these like PTSD flashbacks that are being shown with the with the monster hands. But that mm. is, I think, really weird for an actor. And the day was really tight. And, you know, just trying to, like, track where she was in the process of the breakdown because it's a long scene too mm. i think that was just like as an actor very technically tricky for emma like to juggle all those pieces um it's so hard to overstate how much of a pro emma is and how precise her performances are and how mm. grounded and in the moment she is in them and i think the chaos of the day of that was given the level of emotional availability she needed the only time that i ever saw her like be like gee like i hold on can you come over here like i need to like just like wrap my brain around like what i'm doing you know whereas every other time she's like got it say Mm. say action like she's like (laughs) yeah in the zone yeah so i think like from you know acting like tech like the yeah the technical part of what she was doing I think that one was the trickiest but you know obviously like the rooftop scene was like an insane day we did that all in a day with pickups just for during like the drowning sequence we did pickups for um that was nuts we were like shooting so fast it's like six pages of action yeah on like an indie budget is like really a lot and then like you know, a cop there because we were like brandishing a fake weapon and then like a whole mess. So what like the subway scene as well, like when you when you guys do that, do you have to kind of do it late when there's no one else around? Like how did that how does that work? Yeah, I was like fully one hundred percent not legally did that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, again, the punk the punk set the the punk mentality. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I wanted things in my movie that I just didn't have. Yeah. Hey, you got to get them. Get them anywhere yeah, you possibly right. can. <laughs> I would joke like we had an invisibility cloak because like <laughs> a one girl with a camera aiming at another girl with a camera. I think people write you off thinking you're creating content for social media. Yeah, did you have yeah. anyone anyone standing on the platform thinking, "Oh my god, that girl's going to jump over there"? It's like, shit, quick! You know? <laughs> <laughs> the performance kind of is one, so good. One... I'm shocked, but no, she's actually kind of far away from the edge, and then we VFXed the sh- foot shot. Oh, wow. okay, really that's a clever. Trick. And then it's like forced perspective of the camera, which makes her look like she's just a lot. All right, closer. clever, clever, clever. Just... Very cool. All right, yeah. cool. I love that. The magic movie magic movie. just blows my mind most of the time. <laughs> yeah, we're really the human eyes are so easy to trick. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, Dean, I don't know if you have any other uh, questions on there. I have a couple more, but I'll let you throw whatever you got, man. Yeah, yeah. So talking about the the actual creature itself, um, who kind of thought of the creature design, and you know, what did you? Were there any kind of inspiration? I mean, obviously, were any kind of inspiration? So, for example, like the flies reminded me a bit of the Candyman. You know, when the bees are kind of flowing around. Was there any? Any inspiration from anything like that at all, or who? Where did where did the whole idea for the, the concept of the character come from? Uh, monster. Yeah. So I wanted the monster to just be like darkness itself, like a black hole that would like eat anything yeah. that turned, you know. Um, but 
if like Vanta Black had been discovered by the, when we were shooting this, I, that would have been like my touchstone. It would have been like, it's, it's, you know, black hole. Um, and then yeah. and then I'm trying to like figure out the timeline of this. So like we thought it would just be like a shadow. Well, we first just thought it would be a POV. And then we got a little bit of money and I was like, oh, it'll be like a shadowy thing. And then it'll be like darkness, like hunting her, like darkness, mm. hunting her. And then we had a puppet belt that then was animated and like brought to life by a dancer, choreographer, Karina Kinnear. Yeah. And then the footage of that was pretty cool. And the original VFX people that we had wanted to like make it. They're like very, 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 very pro. Um, but they had wanted to make it like too marvely, almost like too fo- photo real, like creature. And I was like, mm. that's not the vibe. Like, I, I just don't. I just don't think that, like, I don't go to Godzilla and be like, that's scary. I'm like, that's a VFX creature, you know? Um, Even, like, a good snake. And, like, I'm afraid of snakes. But even, like, VFX snake, I'm like, that is a VFX snake. That is not (laughs) So I always, like, on the side of, like, real versus cool, I was pretty firm on, like, we need to be cool, not scary. Um. But the outline of the creature originally looked a little bit too much like humans still. And mm. so like the design was like that it was darkness itself and these like hands of death were going to come in and like pull you into it and you would never be let go. But the flies came because it's like, well, we also needed something to ground it in sound design because we wanted something thematic to recur when the monster came and like yeah. everyone and their brother was like, you need a th- thematic score like jaws and i was like there has to be an <laughs> no. effect like that is not the vibe of this movie like this movie is like supposed to be super grounded even though like i want up this cool mod so it's like very incompatible desire yeah. and so the idea of the flies was like well if it's darkness and like death itself then it's probably like rotting and i had this idea yeah. the stickiness of it came from my head we always sort of had this idea that like its circulatory system was weirdly like in like on the outside of it so it was like gooey and so then I was like well that would like attract flies and so and then that gave us like a visual cue which Jane could respond to because that's like the beauty of having a grounded visual cue is like you hear a fly and it's like close your eyes you're just like this isn't happening like this I'm not convinced that this is real so like I'm gonna shut my eyes and just say like no you know so like you can have that moment whereas like if it's score you can't have that so the flies i think did double duty of like changed the shape of the monster like the silhouette of the monster and it gave it some cues like elements that it was near very cool yeah i guess it kind of wouldn't work if like they as the monster was showing up it was like Kind of, oh, yeah, no. different, different movie. <laughs> um, I was really yeah. picky about, you know, the use of sound design and score, too. Like, I just, I'm like, it's got to not be, like, the score can't be why you're scared. Exactly. I'm like, anyone could throw, like, super loud, dissonant, me, like, they've been doing that since, like, Rites of Spring, you know, like, they that like move i just that i knew that was not my move it wasn't going to be my vibe it would have been mm. like a trendier movie i think if i would have leaned in that direction but i just didn't have that in me uh, it worked really well they kind of reminded me a little bit of the creatures out attack the block i don't know if you've seen that movie one billion percent i love it they were on every mood board i ever made <laughs> um so i have a couple other questions i want to ask and one of them is how did you get on Salem Horror Fest? Did you submit it and then and Kay picked you out, or, or 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 what happened there? Because I am a massive fan of Kay's. Okay, okay, okay. Um, I was. We did our premiere at Popcorn. Oh, okay. Um, in Florida, and I asked Igor, one of the programmers, hey, what other festivals should I be going to? And he's like, oh, Salem Horror is definitely one of the coolest, and I bet Kay would love this. So I emailed her and said, hey. Igor said, you might love this. Can I submit it? And she says, send me the link. And she watched it like 
I sent her the link and like the film's 90 minutes long, like 92 minutes later, she's like, would love to screen this. I'm so happy that happened because there was a lot of heavy hitters during that year. And this was one that stood out a lot for me. I went home like thinking about it a lot. I'm like, oh, I want to watch it again. But I'm like, damn it, I can't. Um, because I, I don't think there was, I don't think there was an on-demand one for that year. There was not. Well, there was, but I was not part of it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, damn it. So I now have to wait for it to get picked up somewhere. And I was patiently waiting. And then when the announcement was like, Arrow is now picking up um, Take Back the Night. I was like, yes, finally. And then Shudder's like, oh, and guess what? Now this year, you can watch it on our platform. I'm like, oh, finally, I can yeah. watch this movie now. Because I, yeah. I loved it. Loved it. Well, thanks. You could have emailed me. I would have given you a link. But yeah, yeah no. I know, I know. But I like to support no, as I much as it. I can. <laughs> that's so that's so damn nice. I can't tell you how much that means. It's just the greatest. Yeah, that movie was that that year was a great year for the horror festival circuit. I feel like so much um was that like the sadness, alone with you. Like there were just so many good ones. And we were like yeah. at all the festivals together. And Brandon Christensen, who did Superhost, you know, he did Z Stillborn, he did like he's amazing but he um told me at popcorn he's like you gotta go to all of them like even if yeah. it's at like a teen little theater in the middle of nowhere like you gotta go you gotta just like go and sit um and yeah we played telluride horror which was like you gotta go to telluride horror fest if you're a fan of horror it's the craziest thing i've ever experienced i had no idea it's like you know at a film festival i'm like oh the first thing i want to do is the shorts block because like i'll get yes. to five directors I'll get to see like early works from people, which is always really exciting to me. Like, can't tell you how many filmmakers I've been following since like the first short that I saw of them, like Benza Hutland's like Glory at Sea. And then, you know, obviously like Beast of the Southern Wild came out and I was like already a huge fan of his from a short film. I love watching short films. So kind of go shorts block. And I'm like, oh, it's like 10 a.m. shorts block. Wake up, gonna get my coffee mosey on over at nine no couldn't get a seat 9 45 you're toast you had to have been in that line for an hour yeah wow. yeah what was it, it called was amazing i was like this is amazing it was early to every shorts block line from then on out what, yeah. what was the name of that festival again telluride horror it's like a Tell week or two after telluride film festival and it's in telluride colorado which is like one of the sickest places on earth that i have ever been yeah, i hear about that that one a lot Did you say telluride Telluride, T-E-L-L-U-R-I-D-E. -L -L -E. I know, sounds like some super British town, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, sure does. Yes. I live in the, that's in the U.S. Telluride yeah. Village. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Dean, that, that's a really good one. This, the thing is, like, there's so many festivals, especially here in in the States. Dean, I know like they're starting to really pop up over in the UK right now. Mm. They're, they're trying to, you know, because Dean, he goes to all the conventions. He He's oh, a vendor. Yeah. So he, um, yeah, he makes us, he has, oh. does horror themed hot sauces. So he's at like every convention, whether it's horror I, or not. So, yeah. um, he, he's on it all the time. And there's a lot over here. He's trying to get into the States right now. And yeah, man. Dean, there's just a lot. Got, got some really good collaborations coming up as well which is cool. So I'm trying to make some inroads over into the US. But yeah, I do all the horror cons and comic cons and whatnot over here. And do we do like the BBC food festivals and stuff like that? Uh, it's really cool. It is very cool. But, That's amazing. Yeah, it's pretty cool. We just um, picked up a collab with Rob Zombie's brother, Power uh, Spider, uh, Spider One. One. Yeah. He's such a lovely guy. Like he's, a, I love his music. I love his band, Power Man. He's just such a lovely guy. And it's really cool. But it, yeah, we're just making some inroads in the States and hopefully getting over to the Salem Horror Fest in April. Yeah. That's the plan. Yep. Trying you, to get you're going to be there, dude. There, there is no question about it. I'm making it happen. Oh, dude. I can't afford, <laughs> a, if I can't afford a fly out. I can swim over, man. Um, <laughs> uh, go, going back to the movie again. So you got picked up by Shudder. Um, oh, I love Shudder. It's such a cool streaming service. Um, and then obviously Arrow as well. How did that go down? Like, how did... Um, you get hooked up with Shutter. Did they approach you or? Um, our distributor were distributed by um. We're distributed by Dark Sky. Okay, then, yeah. Wait, is this live? I I have like blanked on their. They're like have their MPI is the parent company, but I forget the name of like the label that's underneath them. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah, Dark Sky. Yeah, it's Dark Sky. 
Um, the good people at MPI, they just like, we were approached by several different distributors, um, had a couple offers and MPI just like, they have a worldwide team. They're like mostly based in Chicago and the States, but the team got the film. Like they were the only distributor to like want to discuss, you know, how, how did you come up with the cold open? Like, talk about how her brute, how her scar looks like a botched C-section. Like they like had things that they had noticed about the film and that they liked. And I was like, I love the way that you talk about the film. Like you're going to go out and you're going to talk about it in a way that I feel like I can trust you to talk about my film. You know, like some of the distributors yeah. you are like, I don't know that you love this film. Like, I think you'd think that you can sell this film, but I don't, I just spent so many years of my life, like pouring yeah. my heart and soul into this. Like, like I just what? Yeah. So they were just amazing and and they I felt like they really got it and they took it out and they set us up on all these we had like that limited theatrical run that they set everything up. They're our worldwide distributor. So like they've done a all the credit goes to them. I can't take any credit, but they landed Arrow and that I was like over the moon about, I couldn't believe. And then the shutter was kind of quickly after that. And that was like also amazing. Super so cool, yeah. Really, they did a really, really, really great job. Oh, yeah, yeah, Nicola over at um MPI has been our main rep and just I've loved working with them. They're really great. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now everybody gets to see your film. I love it. Love it. Um, Dean, uh, do you have any last questions, dude? Or no, you, I'm or... good, man. Yeah, no, it's all, it's all yours, brother. All right. So I have one final one. And gee, do you have anything in the works right now that anybody can you know, keep their eyes out for? No. I actually don't know that I'll ever make another movie oh, or really anything. Come on. I, uh, <laughs> Come on. I, um... <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm like dead serious. I I've got a family now. Yeah. You know, like my son is four, and I have been working in tech. I work at Fox. I work in tech for I work in like blockchain technologies now. And I have to say, like the industry in Hollywood, I don't know that I can survive that. Mm. And, and I'm and I'm now like in a position where I need to like keep the lights on. I can't yeah. just like be an artist for for like. I'm doing like I'm back to my roots and like I'm writing lots of poetry and I'm doing like all oh, that. Awesome. But like, I don't know. I don't know that I'll ever do anything else. I think this might be it. Well, it I mean, be- like, even if it is the only thing you made, you made a, an amazing yeah. film, an amazing, amazing film. And I, I want everybody to go and watch this and support it yeah. any way you possibly can. And who knows? Maybe that you'll just have that one idea that's going to come to you and be like, hey, I gotta do this. Yeah, you might come I have this. them all the time. I have to yeah. sweat them out. Like, like that. <laughs> I feel like they're like drugs. I'll like get an idea and then I'll just like, but like, it's really hard to understand that like Hollywood is a huge beat down. You know, yeah. like I'm watching Academy Award winning writers go and sing for their supper at age 60. Like, it is bleak out here. And then these like young 20 somethings come in, they're development execs and they like haven't seen seminal works of cinema that you like reference. And they're like, it's just wild. So I I don't, it's not really like a healthy industry. And I feel like it's kind of creativity crushing in a way. Yeah. I don't know. Like I did this whole movie. I put it out. We played all these festivals. We won all these awards. I'm on all these cool platforms. And then it's still like pulling teeth, getting like even reps trying to like look at my stuff. I'm just like, I can't, this is insane. And then I started working in like regular business. And I just was like, like a rocket ship. (laughs) I was like, Oh, is this what it's like to just like have a normal job? I had no idea. Like, just swiftly like climbing the ranks and I was like oh because I have like the work ethic of an independent filmmaker and the heart of like an independent filmmaker and so I don't know I think you know part of when I was like I can't talk right now because I was like I don't know that I want to be a filmmaker as like an identity yeah I might make another movie like when I'm older but I I liked how I did this one it was like on my terms yeah yeah I mean like I said, you, you made a, an amazing film. So if, if it ever comes to the point where you do want to make another one, I'll be there. I'll be watching that. Even if it's a short film. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And thanks for letting me come on and talk about my 
Yeah, Maybe. I mean, you you can come on and talk about whatever you want at any time. You are now your family and friends of the show. So this was really fun, Gia. And thank you for, you know, actually wanting to come on and talk about it and, and whatnot. Because, like I said, it was a film that I adored um, during that Salem Horror Fest year. And even still now, um, I got Dean to watch it. And he, he like, this is this is a great film. Like, yeah. it's dark. And it's meant to be dark. It's meant to make you yeah, feel it's like a powerful that. Movie, you know? yeah. It's very powerful, and it and it it sends a in a really dark movie a very positive message at the end of saying that you know you can get out of this. You can you can get your way out. You, you just find some help. You know, find that one person, and you know it will it will all come together in the end. And that's why I really like this film because, like I said, there's not that many that that do what you did in this. And it's insp- inspirational the way you shot it, and you know, it's like a passion project for you as well. You know, that's really inspirational because you know, for me, I'm trying to, I'm making some, you know, low budget stuff at the minute, and it's complete as we talked about, you know, the DIY ethic and stuff like that. So, I love the way that you did it, and that like it was just a passion project, and it was just, you know, you, you know, all on your mm-hmm. terms. So that stuff, that's really inspirational as well to see that, and just how well it turned out for you as well, how awesome it looked, the finished product. Oh yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. It's like Yeah. It feels like a nice hearty accomplishment of like I can point at that and be like I did this thing. No one can take that away from me. And that feels like pretty pretty damn good. Very cool. Oh yeah. Uh Chia, thank you for spending some time with us and talking about this and you know going through your life really until this moment. This is great. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, sorry, I'm just a gray box today, but uh, (laughs) I'll reappear at some point. (laughs) It's all good. We we all have to be a gray box every now and then. The main question is, when am I going to get some hot sauce? Oh, I'll drop you. Are you on Instagram? I'll drop you a follow over on Instagram and then you can see what we do. Yeah, follow. I'm not really like on any social media because of like it's not good for my mental health, but you can follow Seek Back Night on on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. I'll follow you guys. Yeah. Yeah, cool. We'll do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll do that right. Well, yeah, no worries. And we'll get you some hot sauce over. Definitely. Hell Love yeah, it. Yeah. Love to see it. Hell yeah. Well, I think uh, that's all that we have for this one, Gia. Thank you, Dean, as always. Thank you, Thank you for being here as well. No and, um, go check out Take Back the Night and uh you know, go support it wherever you can, get a copy, and um we'll see uh what Gia's doing and later in life. We never know. <laughs> All right, everybody, thank you so much for being here, and we will see you next time.